following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. So, um, we've just heard another story uh, from the time of the Exodus, the time when the Israelites, having been freed from captivity in Egypt, spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness before arriving at the land that God had promised them. Now, this is a story from the time of the Exodus, but it's not from the book of Exodus. It's from the book of Numbers. That's just an interesting thing. Uh, And we've also heard a few verses from the Gospel of John in which Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus on a rooftop after dark. And he recalls this story from the Exodus. And he also foreshadows his own crucifixion saying that just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Um, So I have a couple of observations that I want to make about this story from the Exodus, which I hope will be of some use to us as we think about our own long season of wandering, as we think of our own in-between time. And of course, that's what we're trying to do during this whole series Um, community X. We're trying to think about how to live out our foundational value of community and how to understand our world in light of seasons that look sometimes like the exile of the uh, people of God and sometimes look like the exodus of the people of God. And if I were teaching this story um, of the poisonous serpents and the, the bronze serpent on the pole, if I were teaching that in a Bible study, in a more intimate setting, I might ask people if they were willing to share uh, their own story of a time when they believe that God intervened, a time when God really stepped into their situation in an undeniable way. Now, as much as I have enjoyed the interplay that we've done over the last month or two on Zoom in the comment section, I don't think those questions work quite as well in a Zoom comment section as they might work in person. So maybe I'll just ask you to think for yourself about a time um, that God seemed to intervene in your world or a time when God stepped into your situation in an undeniable way or whether you even have such a time in your past and what that might mean as well. Um, And I might then ask a follow-up question, which is this. Is it easier to notice God's work in your life while it's happening or after the fact, later? And a question that might be like it, which is, is it easier to understand God's involvement in the world or in your life as it's happening or later after the fact? The basics of this story are pretty straightforward. Understanding it may not be straightforward, but the basics of what happens are pretty straightforward. The people are wandering in the wilderness in this time of Exodus, and they're getting really upset at their condition, and they grow impatient. So they speak out against God, and they say their usual thing when they are speaking out against God, which is, why did you drag us out of Egypt in the first place? By this point, 
Um, their entire identity has become wrapped up in misfortune. It's almost like they're from Buffalo or something. <laughs> when I... When I lived in Las Vegas, we would fly back to New York, to Rochester, through through Buffalo, <laughs> um, because that was the only, that was the cheapest direct flight from Las Vegas to Western New York. And man, you have not lived until you've been on a plane full of people who are leaving the warm climate of Las Vegas to return to Buffalo. <laughs> what a bunch of mopey people! Anyway, um, <clears throat> God loves them very much. Um, <laughs> Anyway, the people then say the following thing, which makes me laugh every time because it's just so perfect. They say this, and it's a direct quote. I'm going to read it so I get it exactly right. There is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. (laughs) What? (laughs) There's no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. Isn't that just perfect? It's, It's so easy to make fun of. And it's also exactly the kind of thing that every one of us says when we get stressed out. These people are spiritually hangry, right? And so then the narrator of this story tells us that God sends poisonous serpents. The word is actually fiery, fiery serpents among the people in response to their attitude and their ingratitude. And then Moses, uh, after hearing from the people that they confessed this sin, he prays to the Lord on the people's behalf. And then God tells Moses how to save the people from the serpents, which is to fashion his own fiery serpent from bronze and put it on a pole. And that whenever anybody is bitten, they can then look up to the bronze serpent on the pole and they'll live. They'll be saved. And it's this act of salvation in the desert that Jesus refers to centuries later when he's on the rooftop with Nicodemus, who has come to visit with him at night because he doesn't want to be seen asking Jesus questions um, because Jesus has already become kind of a a persona non grata among the uh, leaders of the religious establishment. And Jesus imagines that serpent being lifted up on a pole in the desert and says the son of man will have to be lifted up as well. And it doesn't require very much imagination to connect that to the moment of the crucifixion when Jesus is lifted up on a pole. Now, like most good Bible stories, this story of the poisonous serpents in the desert probably raises more questions than it does provide answers. I see many of you nodding in the Zoom, and I imagine that our Facebook worshipers are also nodding um, at home. Questions like, why was this sin of complaining so bad that it apparently warranted the death penalty? Why did God send a deadly plague only to save people from it? Or if you're a very brave questioner of the text, you might ask, is this really what happened? Or is this an interpretation of an event that's made later through the lens of limited human understanding? I give you permission to ask that type of question, by the way. But I'm not going to dive into most of those questions right now because I've been captivated by two other ideas, one from Israel's past 
and one from their future. I mean, their past as regards to this story from Numbers and their future from that moment as well. And uh, in these two little observations that I want to make, there will be more questions than answers, just as in the Bible story, and I hope that that's okay. If it's not, um, well, there's probably a nature show on TV or something. (laughs) So the story from the past is this. It struck me this week for the first time, um, after many years of reading this story and even preaching on it sometimes, that the Israelites must have seen this plague of serpents as being very similar to the plagues of Egypt. Those plagues, um, if you know the story, of course, had led to their liberation from captivity under the thumb of the Pharaoh. Those were acts of God that freed the people of God. So the river turning to blood and a plague of insects and uh, frogs and uh, pestilence and all these things. Those were all uh, acts of God that led to the liberation of the people of God. And so I think, of course, they're going to be prone to, to interpret any similar event as also being an act of God that's designed to have some effect on the people of God. And that just makes me wonder, because what we're trying to do here, of course, is to think about the story of the Israelites and apply it to our own life and our own time. It makes me wonder how much we look at current events through the lens of our past experiences, particularly for people of religious faith who have had experiences with God. Who, who would have answered that early question as, yes, there is a time in my past when I know that God intervened, when I really could not deny God's presence and involvement. And who would take that story and interpret the events of the current time and day through that lens. Right? Because we all still have limited human understanding. That was not unique to ancient Near Eastern people. We are all still... Um, kind of barely able to understand what happens on any given day. And I wonder if when that happens, when we think of a past experience with God and apply it to the current day, whether or not it's the same type of situation, if that then has the effect of coloring our understanding of God. And that's sort of a neutral observation, right? Maybe it's a good thing to have your past color your interpretation or your understanding of God. Maybe it's actually not a good thing. It might depend on what the past was and what the present is, right? So that's the thing I've been captivated by in thinking about Israel's past leading up to this moment of the the fiery serpents in the desert. And I also have been thinking about an event from the future. So centuries later, um, following this um, experience in the desert. After the people had come into the promised land and the kingdom had been established and then actually had been um, divided into two kingdoms, a, a king ascended to the throne of the southern kingdom of Judah. And this was a time when the people of God had turned to idolatry and to other pagan practices. And King Hezekiah 
came in to this situation and cleaned house. You can read about this in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 18. And maybe we can put that on the screen so that you can see it as I read it to you. Uh, 2 Kings 18, verses 3 and 4. It says, Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the high places broke down the pillars, and cut down the sacred pole. These are all pagan idolatrous practices. And then it says, He broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. Um, I'm realizing now that I asked for that to be on the screen, and I, I did not actually send the image that I meant to send. That would have put the text on the screen. So hopefully you followed along okay just hearing me read it. The important part is at the end that King Hezekiah, in the course of cleaning house from all this idolatry in uh, in the kingdom of Judah, he broke into pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made so many centuries earlier because the people of Israel had been making offerings to it. They had made an idol out of it. It had become to them a little household god, something that they could put up and look at and think this is worthy of my worship. Wow. Wow. Isn't that amazing that that this item, which had been the mechanism of salvation for God's people, then became an idol that needed to be destroyed before the people could move forward with, with true and honest worship of God. The same God that had instructed them to make this object in the first place. So there's a story from Israel's past and a story from Israel's future. And this is the reflection question that I would like to leave you with. What is the experience from your past that you have turned into an idol? Maybe it's a bronze serpent. Maybe it's a plague. What is happening right now, good or bad, that could potentially turn into an idol someday in the future? What misery or joy will seep so deeply into you that it comes to define you for the next 40 years? What miracle are you seeing now that will overshadow whatever is happening 10 years from now? What memories do we have in our spiritual consciousness that are actually holding back our holy imagination right now? And what memories are we making in this moment that could hold back some future? And and how can we be sure that that doesn't happen? How can we be sure that the salvation we experience in this day doesn't become an idol in some future time of peace. 
What plague are you currently misinterpreting because you are assuming that everything happens for a reason and that all the reasons just so happen to revolve around you? Okay, I guess that was more than one reflection question. And the last one might have been slightly offsides. So instead of leaving you with a reflection question, and instead of giving you an answer to what question you might have, maybe I'll leave you instead with this blessing. And... Um, Maybe you can breathe in deep and and, in inhaling that air, um, receive and breathe into your own body this, this blessing. May you know that God is with you right now. May you be freed from the distraction of thinking about the ways you understood God to be with you in the past. And may you be freed from worry about your future. Wherever you are, whether it's a desert wilderness, a rooftop after dark, an oasis of joy or a tent of grief, or floating in the open seas, clinging to the wreckage of the ship that you thought would carry you home, Wherever you are, may you see Jesus lifted up. May you muster the strength to lift your eyes to him. And may you find yourself known and loved and healed. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.